Welcome back to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Today's guest is running for circuit clerk, Bob Burkhalter. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Bob, where'd you grow up? I grew up in a little town called Sterling, Illinois, in northwest Illinois. Draw an L from Rockford in the Quad Cities. We're right there at the intersection. It's the other northern part of the state that's not Chicago. Why'd you come to Champaign-Urbana? School. Came here to go to the University of Illinois and never left. You know, I think when you are from Chicago, you think this is a cornfield. When you're from a cornfield, you think this is a pretty great, diverse, wonderful city to move to. Before you began working for the Champaign County court system, tell me a little bit about your work history. Lots of retail, lots of service industry. Right before the county, I was at Strawberry Fields in downtown Urbana, natural food store. Did that for six years or so. Before that, kind of bopped around. I worked at the Courier Cooking. I worked at Piccadilly Liquors. And then before that was college, and I worked part-time in college for Piccadilly. And then I worked, my other part-time in college was for the university, doing library science stuff. So, yeah, that's pretty much my work history. A lot of it has been... In downtown Urbana. Have you ever been an elected official? I don't think I want to be an elected official. What maybe I want to run is I see problems in an area that I I have expertise in. So, you know, why not why not try and get in there and, and, and fix the problems? I'm I'm coming at it strictly from a person who came up through that venue and and, and you know has seen all of the steps along the way and and you know we've really seen a decline in in the work product. So we have an opportunity and I you know. Uh, an opportunity to run against a, a not unpopular incumbent. So maybe the, the current political climate maybe cancels out some of the, the power of being an incumbent and you know, give it a shot here. You began working as a clerk in the circuit clerk's office in 2007. And since then, Katie Blakeman has taken over the job you're running for. Is that awkward now? Katie and I, you know, probably got along better when she first started. My wife did work for her for a few years, and, and I have nothing but respect for the work Katie's trying to do. I just don't think it's being accomplished appropriately. So sometimes I feel like maybe, you know, she's not as cordial, chatty, you know, easygoing as it was before I announced that I was running, but I don't think it's a, a problem. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not throwing punches in the, in the hallways or, or, or avoiding each other or anything like that. Well, speaking of civil, you do have a Democratic challenger. If your opponents beat you in the primary, how will you reconcile that and get behind her to win the general election? I don't know that it's party ahead of everything, but I, I don't have any issues with what Susan seems to be bringing to the table. So, you know, I, I hope that she would say the same thing, that if I'm successful against her, that she would back me and I would certainly back her because we recognize a lot of the same problems and we want to resolve a lot of the same problems. So I, you know, uh, my goal has always been November. And if I'm being totally honest, I have probably the nicest, most cordial a primary opponent that a person can have. So uh, I've been, you know, blessed to be able to learn some politics and, and you know, not have to worry about somebody that's, that's saying untrue or awful or, or, or rude things about each other. It's been, it's been great. A lot of the circuit clerk's job requires up-to-date technology and know-how. So how do you possess that ability? Do you possess IT knowledge? Do I possess IT knowledge? Not in a, in a super strong technical sense. That's not my background. I work with it every day. I use it. And I think that a lot of it is, is user interaction from the circuit clerk side. It's about training. It's about, um, so we have IT and I don't know that we use them appropriately. You know, we have an integrated technology specialist that sometimes I see 
at 7 o'clock at night doing data input in the circuit clerk's office. That's nuts. That's not what he's supposed to be doing. He's in charge of that. He's in charge of creating training programs. The IT department, which we have, I think we have a, a pretty good IT department in the county, you know, is there to help and is there to, to show us how to use the, the technology. And then I think it's incumbent on me to learn more about the technology and to, you know, I think that's a lot of what happens at circuit conferences and things like that is as we're talking about technology. Yeah, so I, I think I have some things to learn, but I think the important part is to be able to translate that too, because certainly the people working there aren't coming from an IT background either, and they need to be everyday users. So let's talk about your current job. Since 2011, you've served as a minute clerk to various Champaign County judges. You're currently assigned to Judge Jeff Ford. What exactly is a minute clerk? Let's start there. I literally take what happens in court and translate it to you know, the synopsis. So it's not stenography. People confuse that a lot. That's a court reporter. That is someone who's taking word for word dictation. So for example, if you come in to traffic court, that's the easiest example. That's the most common example for people. You come into traffic court, you're found guilty of speeding, you're fined $75 plus court costs. Somebody has to tell the computer that. So not only do I make a synopsis of what happened in court, who appeared, you were there, your lawyer was there, the state was there, who appeared for all of those parties, what happened, but then I also, you know, go on to, we would call it the backside, and put in the UO 75 bucks plus court costs and disposition of the fees and fines. And some of that is automatically driven by the programs and stuff and, you know, calculate the fees and fines so that you can go out and then make a payment. What happens if you're sitting there and you're sleepy or you're distracted and you think, oh no, what, did, what just happened? What did they just say? Like, does that ever happen? It does happen. There's a record. The court reporter, if there is one is making the official record. There is a, a, a audio backup, so you can always go back to that. You know, that's that's what we use when we don't have a court reporter. It's always on. The court reporter is is the official record if they're in the room. But yeah, so there's there's backup. Is, is the short answer you can go back and say, did he say 75? And sometimes you have to, because it's important. You have to be able to say, did he say 5,000 or 7,500 bond? You know, and you can miss that like that in court, because you're usually doing 10 things at once. Sometimes I'll say, Judge, did you say 7,500? You have to learn how to appropriately interrupt him to get the information that you need. But sometimes you just are like, nope, I missed it. That was two minutes ago. I got to go back and listen when I'm done. I've interviewed Judge Ford, and he doesn't strike me as a man that likes to be interrupted. No, ma'am. He, of course, presides over drug court. Personally, can you describe the program, and what do you think of the effectiveness of the program? Well, I've only been with uh, Judge Ford for a little over a year, so I didn't do drug court before that, obviously. I think it's wonderful. I've, I've seen successes. Uh, you know, certainly I, I spent a lot of time with Judge Ford, so I've heard his, his take on it. And I think that, that he does exceed the national average for a lot of these things, you know, for recidivism and, and graduation rate and things. So in that very technical sense, it's a success. And then we've, we always seen successes. We've seen people that have been graduated for 20 years that still come back and support the program, still come to graduation. And a lot of it is, you know, we've seen people that righted their, their track. And, you know, we've got people that are employers that are willing to employ drug court people, which is tough sometimes because they're a lot of times have a lot of felonies or, or things on their record. So I think that it has been a great thing that has built and you know, the graduates put back into it. And of course, we see we see failures too. We see people that, I think the one thing that I've learned about addiction is that you're always addicted and you're only, you're only clean until you're not. And so we've seen people that very sadly clean for a very long time and then use, you know, and then, and then their problems come right back to them. And, and we've, but we've also seen people that, that use and, but, but 
learned enough about resources to say, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want to go down that path. So they call somebody and they talk to a counselor or they talk to a sponsor, you know, from AA or whatever. And they, and they say, you know, my use isn't an excuse to go back to rampant life altering destruction. I know the job of circuit clerk doesn't require political leanings, but tell me something about your belief system. What is the single most important social issue to you? Social issue, I mean, if we're talking, yeah, broad scale politics, you know, one of the things I guess that, that I mean, the president makes my skin crawl. And I'm sorry to say that because I don't want to say that about our president, but he's, he's, he's skeevy. You know, I don't want my daughter to grow up in a world where any man thinks it's okay to grab you by the, you know, so that's a social issue, the equality. I mean, I, I don't mean it in the broad sense. Like, I think the guy's a misogynist. I, I don't know what I can do about that, except for maybe elect people that, that feel the way I feel. But, but here I can make sure that that's not a policy that's being played out, you know? So if I can be in control of one county office that says we respect women, we respect people of color, we respect LGBTQ, if you can do the work, you can work here. That's, I mean, maybe it's a little, but that's how you win. You know, everybody's got a voice. If all the voices start saying the same thing, people hear. Ramona Sullivan's running on the platform to balance the bench. Balance it with women, balance it with Democrats. Why do you suppose this county is so overrun with Republicans, especially Republican male judges? It's just self-propagating, you know? Uh, you got a white male prosecutor who becomes a judge. He's worked with another white male prosecutor that he respects. I don't think it's necessarily insidious in intent, but you know, so they, they support that person and, and they appoint that person as a, an associate judge. And, and then that, and that person, you know, I think even as Ramona said in her last campaign, she's not running against somebody who's unqualified. You know, you've got people who qualify, they just happen to have the same perspective. So people, people find people that agree with them. So if you start with one and then it's two and then it's four and then all of a sudden it's 14 and there hasn't been a woman in 20 years, what happened? So I, I, don't, I don't know that it's pointed. Maybe there are. I mean, everybody has political agendas and I don't know all of them, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, evil or you know, malintentioned. I think it just propagates. And, and when nobody runs, what other choice do you have? You know, so I remember in Ramona's campaign the last time around, She's the first person that had run since 1996, maybe. So that's nuts. That's 20 years without anybody even offering voters a choice. You and I were talking about social media before we started rolling, and it's hard not to read the comments. But in the courthouse, I would say Julia Reitz takes the most heat online. People think they're Monday morning quarterbacks with sentencing. Aren't there, aren't there guidelines? She's tied to that. She's absolutely tied to that, and the judges are absolutely tied to to certain things, you know, from from my not legal perspective, but just a, a lay person that spent a lot of time in a courtroom, everybody's got rules, you know? So prosecutors work out deals with good defense attorneys. They bring them into the court. The, the judge accepts them if they're within the, the bounds of justice. And then, you know, it gets put in the paper that this person got a break and there's got to be a fall guy, I guess. You know, it's either Julia or the judge or, you know. I mean, and if you read them long enough, You'll see the same people say opposite things. You know, this judge is too light on crime. This judge is an incredible bugaboo and doesn't listen to anybody. And you're like, you just said the same, th opposite things about the same person. I think some of that is just you know, people voicing concerns that they're not exceptionally knowledgeable about. And who would be? I mean, who, you know, you know how many people are in a sentencing? None. 
There's no public there. It's not, it's not TV. There's no gallery full, maybe for a murder trial, maybe for something. But even when you come back for sentencing, it's the family of the victim, maybe. Maybe. But a lot of times in a plea, it's the two lawyers, the judge, and the clerk. I have to ask, you're the perfect person to answer this question that I've always wondered. With the 14 circuit court judges here in the county, and all 14 are Republican, 13 of them are men, do you ever see political leanings in decisions? I don't think so. I mean, nothing that I've ever been like, dang, that was that was obvious. I think for the most part that, that, that everything I've ever seen, you know, it's weird that we make judges run partisan because the first thing they're supposed to do and any good judge does do is, is leave it aside. You're supposed to put on the black and become neutral. They're a legal referee. Like, that's not an allowable thing to say. That's, you know, you object and I agree, so we're going to strike it. The jury won't hear that. Things like that. That's a lot of what a judge does. We were talking about a judge making a, a specific decision earlier and having to follow the law, and that's really what the law is passed by legislators and it's partisan. I don't know. Maybe that's it can come off that way, but I don't ever see judges that I feel like are just saying... No, I'm going to obviate the right decision because it helps my politics. Circuit clerk has nothing to do with the legalities of it. You can't disagree with verdicts or anything. It's your job to make a county record of it, correct? Right. I'm pretty sure if I disagreed with your verdict and changed it, I would be fired and probably jailed. So, you know, I'm beholden to the law just like anyone else would be. And the circuit clerk certainly makes no policy decisions. It's, It's a very perfunctory sort of task. Let's say that you don't win. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You have such a calm demeanor and you've been a bright spot in the Democratic Party. Is there another office that you would eye? Is there something else that interests you? Politically, not specifically. The reason I'm running for circuit court is because I I feel like I'm qualified to do it because I've done it. So I've, I've had some conversations about there was a point where there was nobody running for recorder. I don't know what that office does. I, I, I might be willing to stand and take the two by four in the face for the party, but I, I don't know that I'm the right person. It was, it was, you know, literally the conversation that I had, and now thankfully I think somebody stepped up that, Mike Ingram. Yeah, uh, that can do it and has a great plan for uh, how, to, how to deal with that. So I'm also running for precinct committee person, which is a tiny thing. So I'm more excited about if I lost... Being able to do that, being able to, because my experience is that not all precinct committee people are the same. And some are more active, some are less active, some are off the face of the earth as far as I can tell. So, you know, being able to say, okay, in my neighborhood, you'll get somebody who's going to walk petitions. In my neighborhood, you'll get somebody who will hold a meet and greet for the candidates. In my neighborhood, you know, especially pre-primary, non-endorsement, these are the, you know, because knocking on doors in my neighborhood... I have a feeling that nobody has knocked on their door in a long time. You know, and if, if, if everybody did that, there's a lot of precincts. You know, I think there's 70 or something. If everybody went out and got 10 signatures from their own precinct, no candidate on earth would ever have to worry about getting on the ballot. You'd have 700 signatures out of the gate. So I'd be, I'd be excited to jump into that role for two years, and then if I'm successful, keep going from there. So if something comes up later on that I feel like I'm qualified for, you know, as I get more involved, certainly. Last question before I let you go. Okay. When you're not Burke for clerk, very catchy, by the way. Thanks. What do you do for fun? I play with my daughter. She's, she's two and a half, and, you know, she's the light of my life. I had kids late, and uh, so I'm just trying to save her every minute. You know, I, I spend time with my wife. We, we read. We watch Netflix. There is no such thing as free time when you're running a campaign, so you try and take the few minutes that you can. But if I were to lose, I think the one bright spot is I immediately get to have more time for my, for my daughter.
It is a nice silver lining. Well, Bob Burkhalter, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Promise me that if you get past the primary, you'll come back and join me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. 